0: Success in the New Retirement with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton.
1: We're here with Damon and Matt. I'm Jennifer Perry. And yes, this is Success in the New Retirement. Really a podcast for those of you who are trying to navigate all these tricky issues as you're getting closer to your retirement date or maybe you're already retired and figuring out this whole thing is a little bit complex. That's why Damon and Matt are going to be here every week sharing some lessons with you, sharing some great stories from their own clients, from their book too, which just happens to be called Success in the New Retirement. I wonder where we got the name for the podcast, guys. It's weird. but uh...
2: Yeah, we're, we're not real creative, right? <laughs> <It's>... <laughs>
1: but uh, guys, actually, you've been doing this for Almost uh, two decades yourselves right there in the greater Phoenix areas, financial advisors. But I'm wondering, you know, what's the tougher job for you? Is it helping people through retirement or for raising all the kids that you have?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you must be talking about me because I'm the crazy one with six children of my own and then in a, in a remarriage, uh, now nine. So It's like a
1: regular Brady Bunch there at the uh, Damon Roberts household, man.
3: That's right. Yep, <laughs> My wife has the, the much harder job for sure.
1: Yes, you have to give her proper credit. And then, uh, Matt, I don't know how your wife puts up with your craziness, too. You're in the middle of a a crazy training schedule. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on today's show. But you have kids of your own too. You guys are working hard all the time. How does she keep up with you?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, she's not a go getter as well. So she's out doing her thing. Uh, we got three kids and they're pretty independent. So, you know, my, my son, he was uh, at his cousin's house. We kind of farmed him out to uh, go up to Utah and he spent a week up there. Nice. And my sister in law texted and said, Hey, your son was, you know, getting his own lunch. He made his own sandwich. <laughs> um, I was like, I need to get my 15 year old to be doing that. And, My son's twelve, and I was like, "Well, I guess we've just basically said, if you want to eat, go make it yourself." So (laughs) (laughs) figure it out, kid. Yeah, (laughs) try to make them a little bit more independent. So you know, they they do a good job, and my wife, you know, keeps them on track. So it's a good partnership.
1: And uh, we're going to actually share some of the stories that you're passing along to your kids, some of those great lessons, guys. Because I think that's the role of parents and grandparents today, too. We don't want our kids to end up in a financial mess later on. We want to instill that same work ethic that a lot of us grew up with. But uh, that's a challenge. today's kids. That millennial generation in particular, I don't know, are you guys worried about that?
2: You know, I think the millennial generation kind of gets a bad rap.
1: Really? Okay. You're going to you know, defend they, them. Hmm.
2: <laughs> well, they're, they're definitely attached to their technology, but I don't think it ends up necessarily being all encompassing and it can be a good thing. So I think that they're going to be much more adept with being able to access information from their phones to be able to be on top of what's going on in the world, what's going on with The things around them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a parent, you're trying to say, okay, how much screen time is the right amount? How do we limit that? How do we make sure that you know how to actually have a conversation with someone face to face? But I've ran into lots of different, you know, people that are in college and just graduating. And they're still plenty capable. Okay, so that's I, encouraging. I think, yeah, I don't think this upcoming generations as bad as as sometimes we think. I think sometimes we we all sit on our soapbox and say, "Well, when I was a kid, you know, we <laughs> we you know we'd walk to school and we you know we'd play outside and there was no bad things going on." And and you know that's an oversimplification.
1: And uh, that's the thing, guys. I think no matter where you are in that stage of life, yeah, a lot of us remember the good old days. I'm starting to make those same kind of quotes now. I don't know what that says about me, but uh, for the people. That that you focus on, though, you're really working with those in that boomer generation. What is it about that generation that makes financial planning today a lot different for those folks you're working with?
3: I would say that uh, the number one thing is that they're not working with a pension. Um, yeah, you know, true. Their parents and grandparents, most of them had pensions and, and that was done for them. Now they have their 401ks and a lot of them have done a great job about with saving, but they have to do it on their own and none of them are financial planners or experts and so they're they're trying to do their best in picking you know different mutual funds and things and then you have to get to a point where you're going to start taking it out and how do you make that last with all the different variables that there are and well and you've you know. been used
1: to saving so watching account balances drop and that kind of thing as you start spending guys that's a little bit intimidating
3: yeah sure. it
2: is i mean it, it it really comes down i mean we describe our podcast as success in the new retirement mm-hmm. and so what we mean by that is like, like damon's saying It is totally different than the way that your grandparents or even some of your parents retired. You know, most people had a pension, they had social security, they had confidence those programs would be there and provide that income. Today, people are retiring saying, well, is social security going to be around? You know, I don't have a pension or it's really small or I'm worried that the company that's paying is gonna go bankrupt. And so like Damon said, all legitimate
3: to, worries, right?
2: right? Right. Absolutely. Those are definitely things you need to be paying attention to. And so then you say, okay, I've got this pile of money, the 401k, the market keeps going up and down. I don't know what to do with my investments. How do I secure my retirement? So I'm not 75 running out of money, stressing, trying to cut back, figuring out if I can go work at Walmart as a greeter or, or something mm-hmm. like that. And so it's like, <laughs> That's the concern that people have. And yeah. so we, we wrote the book, we preach to people, we talk and we do workshops and we sit down with people. And that is the concern that we're addressing day after day. And the great news is, is there's ways to build a plan that can handle what we're facing today. And it doesn't have to be daunting. It doesn't have to be scary. You can build a plan to get, have success.
1: You guys see those success stories day in, day out there at the office, don't you? What's interesting
3: is that the longer we do this and as our economy and our, our lives change, information is so much more readily available. And so you get a boomer who's retiring or going on there and they get on Google. And they Google, how should I retire? What should I be doing? there's a thousand different opinions. Mm-hmm. And so what I think we do well is is educate people and help them to sift through the mountain of information that's there and to be able to apply the right things and to dispel uh, notions that are not true, maybe about annuities and how they're the most awful thing in the world. Some of them are, oh, but some yeah, of them true. aren't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also how to use stocks and bonds and, and all those things in appropriate ways to get them to retirement to create the type of stability that their parents and grandparents had with those pensions and that's really takes some educating and takes you know kind of honing in and saying okay let's take this all this information and let's dial it in to how and make it fit you personally and that's probably one of the funnest things about our job i would say it's the most fulfilling to see you know, someone come in with these wide eyes and then, you know, kind of walk out with a, a burden lifted off their shoulders and, and looking, looking at each other if it's a couple and saying, yeah, we, we can do this.
1: I bet you have a lot of those high five moments on the way out, don't you?
3: I, I think so. I, I mean, <laughs> I think They I get really so, right? emotional
1: and hug you. Is Are you okay with that?
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm a hugger. You know, Matt will put up the, the, the wall and say, nope. No, I'm just
2: kidding. No, he's... <laughs> He'll fist
1: bump. He'll I've fist bump.
2: My, I've got my personal space <laughs>
1: issues. <so. laughs> but the, that's the great thing about seeing what you guys have done there at Acute Wealth Advisors, really helping people figure out how to navigate this new retirement. And success is possible today. But guys, what do you hope that people get out of this show when they listen weekend and week out with you guys well,
2: at the end of the day I hope they get some good ideas and it brings some peace of mind to them in that they can have success I think that sometimes we have to kind of go through and understand a little bit more about some of the issues that we're facing and you address that and so I've had multiple people in my office that they come in they're stressed out they're worried they're thinking I'll never be able to retire But after we go through the plan, after we build that, after we talk about the different ways that we can allow them to achieve their goals, it's amazing the mind shift that occurs on that person when they know that, hey, I'm two years out or you know what? I could retire tomorrow where two or three or four weeks ago before we sat down and started that process, they didn't know if they'd ever be able to retire. Yeah. And so it's them finally seeing the vision of what their retirement can look like and how it's going to become a reality. That allows people to kind of just sit back and relax and say, okay, I've got this. I've worked hard for this. Now I can really start planning for this so I can really enjoy
0: retirement. Get answers to your real-life retirement questions now at com sincere apologies to Matt
3: Damon we ran out of time for him tonight we'll get him on the air again soon apologies to Matt Damon we ran out of
2: time Matt Damon apologies we ran out of time Matt Damon apologies we ran out of time apologies to Matt Damon we ran out of time apologies to Matt Damon uh, we ran out of time Matt Damon I'm sorry we ran
1: out of time oh guys I love the bit there with Jimmy Kimmel late night host and uh, his ongoing feud of sorts with Matt Damon I bring this up because I've slipped a few times in calling you guys just Matt Damon. I just combined the two, but uh, you're not the actual Matt Damon. No.
2: Unfortunately, not, right? Just I mean,
3: better looking without all the money.
1: <laughs> right? It's <laughs> a good way to look at it. Do you get that a lot? I mean, I'm not the only one, right?
2: Well, when we're together, so again, sometimes, you know, we're we're doing a workshop or something like that, and it's just us, and so that usually doesn't come up, but the moment you're together, or you mention your partner, and then they go, wait, wait, your name is Matt, and his is Damon? Oh, it's Matt Damon, and you're like, yep, yep, you're, yep you're, you're you're like the 30th person that has pointed that out to us.
1: You know, <laughs> Thanks you know. a lot. But,
3: uh, you go tell your kids that you but met but Matt fun, Damon. Right?
1: So. Okay, so you're not the celebrity Matt Damon, but you have had some celebrity run-ins over the years years. Um, I'm going to ask both of you, which is your favorite celebrity that you've interviewed?
2: So I'd say by far and away, the nicest person I ever interviewed was Vince Gill.
1: Vince Gill. Okay. Country superstar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We went to, so me and my wife got to go to his house to do the interview. And so literally we knock on his front door. He comes in a shirt and t-shirt, no shoes. (laughs) (laughs) His his wife, Amy Grant is in the back chasing down grandkids <laughs> and he just welcomes us in like oh just come on in you know da, da, da. and then we go into his studio and we just chit chat he plays the guitar and then we do an interview nice. but it was the most nonchalant and you look up on the wall and between the two of them i believe they have the second largest collection of grammys anywhere man mm. wow and this guy's just sitting here in you know t-shirts shorts and no shoes with grandkids running around, you know, talking about the music he does and what he, you know, his career and all that kind of stuff. So (laughs) just by far the most down to earth, nicest guy you've ever met.
1: And what about you, Damon?
3: Um, I would say, I mean, we've been able to interview uh, a lot of different people, but one of my favorite ones was uh, Sammy Hagar right? Your, your rock star, Red the Cabo Wabo, yeah. the, the, the party animal, you know, you'd think. And, was and you're really kind cool, of the party
1: animal on this team. So clearly it <laughs> oh, makes yeah, sense, you right? know,
3: I'm in bed by 930 <laughs> yeah. and I've got six kids. I am the crazy one, right? Um, with all those kids. But Sammy, you know, when I interviewed him, he was 68 years old. And what was fascinating was to find out what a successful businessman he had been. Right, he he came from nothing, you know, from a kind of a, a home where I believe he was, you know, his dad was kind of a boxer, and uh, so he got beat up a little bit and dysfunction, and then kind of found music and loved it, and was good at it. But then, you know, once he had some fame and success, took that. And did a bunch of different things. He he owns apartment buildings. He he started a mountain bike company. He had a tequila uh, business with the whole Cabo Wabo thing. And and what was really cool is he was as excited as I was to talk about financial stuff. And to have a different slant because, you know, most of his stuff, everyone wants to know about his, his singing. Yeah. And and so it was fun. He was legitimately excited. And then what was really fun for all of us that are that are old enough to remember that I can't drive 55, you know, we got to, I was at his studio and he had all of his, his cars, right? And one of those was that one. And then a oh, bunch sweet. of other just amazing cars that he started up and, you know, I got to hear him and then he played for us. And then we went to his restaurant and had dinner with he and his wife. And so... Um, just down-to-earth people um, who, you know, what's great about it is we realize they're just like us, Uh you know? (laughs) They're they're not that different, and and it's just a matter of, you know, what makes us happy, and and if we could all tap into what makes us click and and go after it, we all have awesome potential, and that was kind of his message.
1: Well, let's see some of those lessons that we can learn from the legendary Sammy Hagar. Here's part of that interview with Damon
3: one of the things that uh, that we have in common is uh, Cabo San Lucas I've been going there for 20 years Wow with, with my wife's extended family and uh, since it was really small I was wondering if you could tell me when you started going there and uh, a little bit about your birthday bash
0: that you have down there Well the first time I went to Cabo San Lucas was 19 I want to say 81. Keith Richard had just gotten married in the last year or so of that. And uh, down there, at, and I saw a picture. And I saw a cactus, an infinity pool, and a cactus on a beach. And I'm going, desert, ocean, I'm there. Where is this place, right? Yeah. And uh, so I went down and stayed at the Twin and. And it became a birthday thing I did every year. I'd take my whole family down there for 10 days and my mom and my brothers, my sisters, because we're all born in October. And uh, so I started celebrating. Then I decided I met a guy who took me to town to make phone calls before there was uh, telephones So I met the bellman at the Twin Dolphin. He said, oh, I have a car. I said, well, i will take you downtown. So we go (laughs) dirt road down through Arroyos, man, you know, goats and and wild horses. And it was unbelievable. And I went and stood in line and paid money and made a phone call. And I said, hey, man, I'd like to build a little tequila bar here, you know. He said, I'm fine for you. I said, okay. Then I said, hey, I want a condo. He said, oh, there's only one condo, and it's Terracell. They're they're not ready yet. And I said, well, when they're ready, I'll come down. You know. And next thing I know, I was I had a place there. I was living. I had bought a piece of property. And I was building a cantina. It was like all dirt roads, right? It's like my accountant thought I was crazy, but you know, you've been to Cabo. And back in those days, the most magic place in the world. Yeah, nobody was there, no, and it was yeah. the beaches were empty, and totally. I could walk for miles in the beach, not see one footprint. You know, and I could walk down the street in my my stage clothes, and nobody would say Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Yeah, So that's
3: great. Well, that's fun. You know, most people know you as an artist, you know, having a career with Montrose and then with Van Halen and then uh, does the Red Rocker and all these other things. But what most people don't know, and it's one of the things that really impressed me as I learned more about you, was what a businessman you are.
0: It's so funny because now I'm starting to be convinced that maybe I am kind of a business guy, you know. But to me, it's really creative. It's really not business because it's more like an idea and a passion. Like, I never do anything just for money. I think, oh, well, I can make a bunch of money if I go do that, you know? I never think that way. I'm always thinking, like Cobble, thinking, well, oh, I love this place. I want to live here, but what am I going to do? I won't have any place to play. Well, I got to go build a place to play, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it becomes this mega money maker, but I was just lucky. And so my gut and my instincts is I'm always way ahead. I find things. I really like to find things that are undiscovered, you know? And uh, it's kind of like, You ever have that situation where you go see a movie and no one's seen it yet? And you, it's a great movie, but it's not advertised. It's very underground. And you go around telling all your friends, oh, you gotta go see this movie. And then when they go see it, they go, oh my God, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen. And, and so you turned them on, it makes you feel good. You yeah. turn them on to a restaurant. You turn them on to a record. Uh, I remember the Black Keys. They used to turn people on the Black Keys. Now they're huge. But at the time, say, hey man, check Everybody go, wow, those guys are really good. I love that album, you know? And that's kind of the way I am about my business. And it's my passion, like I love it. So to just be a businessman, the nuts and bolts of business, I'm so dumb. Uh, My business (laughs) partners, they sit there and go, I go. Okay, you do that. <laughs> That's your job, right? Like how many cases we can do a year and here, here's what we're going to, the margin is going to be and here's how much we have to price it. My instincts is usually when you're looking at the margin of a brand, like my rum, say what's the margin going to be? You know, I'm going, well, I, I don't care. Just don't make it too expensive for my fans. Yeah. So I'm that kind of a businessman. So I'm really not a good businessman. I, I think I got good ideas and I, I'm very lucky that I find good people to run my businesses and to really do it for me. So the creativity
3: is what, what drives you doing absolutely. Doing your passion, but you're surrounding yourself by a team of individuals that are helping you do the things you love.
0: And those individuals, the type of way I do business, my individuals have to be able to spin on a dime because I, I, when I get inspired, I got to go. It's like, you no, know, no, no, this is what we're going to do. No, no. And they say, well, let's do some research and let's do some due diligence. <laughs> like, We ain't got time for that. If we wait, somebody's going to beat us to this. We got to do it right now. And I'm one of those guys and I get wound up and get passionate. I can drive people hard. And they like it, you know, because it's, it's passion. It's not like cruelty.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I, I bet it's taken a lot of years to get to that point where you prepared. And, and so that now, you know, when you want to run with an idea, when you want it, when something changes in your life, you're able to do it because you've done, you know, the background work to be able to prepare yourself for this kind of stage of your life Of that.
0: Well, you know, kind of. I mean, the background work has been coming through the back door. I didn't don't have an education. I didn't even graduate from high school. I know a lot of people are shocked at that, but I, I did not graduate from high school. I was thrown out of I could have, but I was thrown out senior week for throwing a water balloon through a teacher's window and hit him. And I was (laughs) throwing it at some girl, and it was, you know, and it (laughs) hit the teacher, and I got thrown out of school. So they they wouldn't graduate me. But I never went back on my diploma. It's all it's all good. But I think I'm kind of like a there's educated idiots and there's (laughs) there's uneducated geniuses. (laughs) I'm a follow on that. I'm on more on that scale. But I think that the quick preparation comes from I have the confidence now, and I have have the means, I can afford to lose some money if it didn't work, you know? And I've learned over the years by my experience, by being right when I feel something in my gut and I mm-hmm. get the goosebumps in my arm. I go, "Nope, this is right. This is the yeah. way it's got to be." I've learned that that's correct, and that and I go with those instincts. So my confidence has gotten, and my track record has gotten better because I'm listening to the right things through experience.
3: Well, you're you're uh, 68 years old, right? And uh, at a stage of life where a lot of people are looking to slow down, you don't seem like you're slowing down at all. Do you ever actually see yourself as
0: retired? I always joke that I was retired from the day I picked up a guitar. So that was when I was 14. So I guess I've been retired my whole life. And when I read my own book, read My Uncensored Life in Rock, the most impressive thing. I mean, I wrote that book, but when you're writing it, you're doing it piece by piece. And mm-hmm. when I sat down and read the whole thing, I was exhausted. I said, oh, my God, I've worked my whole life and didn't even know it. And that's the statement I still like to use. It's like I don't see how I could retire. I don't see I've got too many ideas and too many ambitions. If nothing else, I would just go out and just maybe help people for the rest. If I stop making money and stop trying to be more successful, that drives me nuts. I mean, I'm driving myself nuts with that. I drive my wife nuts and my family and everybody around me because I just keep striving for more and more success. And that's almost a sickness. Uh, I even went to therapy for it and said, you know, I want to <laughs> stop achieving. You know, I've got enough. I don't need anymore. So what am I doing? And, I, and now I'm just doing all these things and I give all the money away, you know, with my restaurant. So I'm a nut when it comes to that. I would like to chill out a little bit. So I'm trying to turn that into more philanthropy and saying, well, what can I do for other people, and not just give people money, write checks. I mean, go out and do it physically. Go down to these places and help people. You know, so maybe that's what I'll do with my retirement. So since you're you're the baby boomer age and kind of in retirement, you
3: know, our weekly show is directed at retirees and helping them get retired and stay passionate in retirement. What advice would you give them?
0: Oh, I say you can't really ever use that word retirement. Don't start talking about, well, I'm going to retire because then you're done. <laughs> you know, and you'll <laughs> start getting old so you know you have to keep passionate about things and i I really think the idea is to the simplest way i can put it is find what you like to do i don't care if it's planting tomatoes in your garden go picking those tomatoes and that makes you happy then go do more of that because you got to do things that keep you alive and happy and retirement isn't just stopping it's really it's just about changing okay i don't want to work at something i don't want to do anymore because if your job is like mine where you get to go walk out on stage and sing and play for people that's not work so you're not going to quit that are you you know what i mean yeah. so if you don't like your job well then okay yeah change but uh but you got to do things and you got to stay active and stay passionate about life you know some kind of way otherwise you, you're going to get old <laughs> <I agree. laughs> very simple 100 thanks damon that was great that was fun
1: Interesting perspective there, guys. What do you think about that? He doesn't like the word retire, but that's in the name of our podcast. I don't know. <laughs> well, well he's,
2: he's trying to say, right, that he's not done. That yeah. Just because he hit a magic age yeah. or doesn't need to work, it doesn't mean that his brain's not flowing, that he's not still going to be creative or do something he's passionate about. And so, you know, we have the same vision for all of our clients. Again, I, some of our clients are more active doing things now than they have ever been because they don't have to go to work every day. They yeah. can go and do the fun things. And so they can start the art class or the fishing or the traveling that they want to do. So, you know, the golden years, especially now, it's I mean, everybody can go get their knees replaced, their hips replaced. Boom, you're you're <laughs> a new person, you know. Back on the court. You know? Yeah. So, there's lots of opportunity to do a lot of fun things. It's just a different part of your life. It's where you're free from, you know, the rat race. And now you get to go and say, how do I want to choose to spend my time? What are the fun things I want to do? Where do I have some passion in life? That's really rewarding our, in our job to see people do that and enjoy it and have fun with that.
0: You can find Damon and Matt's book, Success in the New Retirement, on amazon.com or get a free chapter now at successinthenewretirement.com.
1: Coming up on the next Success in the New Retirement episode, guys, I'm going to do the thing that our teachers always told us not to do in school, And that's actually skip ahead in your book, okay? Because I want to get to some of the keys to navigating the new retirement. And next time, we're going to start on one of the big keys, which is diversification and correlation. You guys kind of geek out on this stuff, don't you?
3: You know, you have to geek out on something, right? we're We're supposed to be experts in this, so we got to know the numbers. yes.
1: Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But in terms that people can actually understand, there's the real difference here on this podcast. And then coming up in a few weeks, Matt has embarked on quite the journey for himself. actually he has a big goal that he's set for himself. We're all big on goal setting. And Matt, this one's kind of interesting. You're going to scale the height of Everest. In Utah, actually, right?
2: Yeah, so it's it's called Everstein twenty nine oh two nine. Okay. And basically, it's uh, it's a race, but it's not really a race. So that's what's cool about it is it's really kind of a community event. Everybody's going for one goal, and the goal is to climb a mountain that you'd normally ski down, and then ride the gondola down, and do that over and over until you have gone from sea level. To the height of Everest, and Hmm. you have 36 hours to complete it. 36
1: hours? Ooh.
2: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I went up and actually climbed it to test it out. Uh huh. And I'm starting to have concerns about this (laughs) commitment. (laughs) Okay. I'll I'll just say that. All right. There's your tease.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna follow along on Matt's journey in the Everesting series here on the podcast, and I hope you'll join us for that. But remember, you can find us online anytime. Successinthenewretirement.com.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more from Damon and Matt? check out successinthenewretirement.com. And while you're there, drop us an email with your questions.